Hello, everybody. My name is Ninka, and welcome to the Security Distillery podcast series Sips and Quips, where we talk to people who know the International Master of Security, Intelligence, and Strategic Studies best. Today, we have a new guest with us. Uh, she, her name is Rabia. So, hello, Rabia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. No, we're glad to have you. Um, so the first question is like, where are we right now? What are we drinking? Could you tell the audience that? Okay, so we are in Cadiz at a cute little cafe after our summer school and we're having a cup of tea together. For me, it's uh, rooibos as a true South African. Um, and then like a little bit of elaboration, like why are we in Cadiz? Like what is it seems like such a random place. Yes, so we are in Cadiz right now for a summer school on migration, um, and it's supposed to be a, a, a simulation of, of the migrant crisis um, at the Strait of Gibraltar, so between Spain and Morocco. Okay, great, great. Um, so, like you already mentioned, you're from South Africa with the rooibos tea. Um, <laughs> could you maybe elaborate a little bit more specific, like where you're from? Yes, so... First of all, um, I'm South African. I'm from a very, very small town in the Eastern Cape mm -hmm. of South Africa, but I also lived for a very long time in Johannesburg. And um, I initially actually studied in um, Germany oh. uh, for my undergrad, for my bachelor's degree, uh, political science and public administration, where I wrote my um, thesis on um, affirmative action policies in um, Southern Africa and why they are ineffective and in actually empowering, um, you know, the non-white population um, regarding, you know, centuries of colonialism, racial stratification. Um, so, yes. Well, that all sounds very, very interesting. Um, diving a bit more into, like, South Africa and, like, your experience there, um, what do you think is the most popular pre prejudice about uh, the country, and do you think it's actually fair? So, I mean, we do have quite a few prejudices. I think the, the, the two primary ones that, that um, are real area of concern, uh, I would say, is uh, one of reverse apartheid and reverse racism, which is just simply not factual. I mean, there have been cases of, of, of racial violence and, and, you know, problems, but um, the arguments that affirmative action is disproportionately benefiting the non-white population is simply not correct or that there's significant amounts of violence um, regarding that. If anything, the, the non-white population struggles the most in terms of general insecurity. Um, and if anything, affirmative action policies in general um, and in, like the institutions that we have are still inherently colonial and, and Western imports and suitable to the socioeconomic needs and um, do not reflect the, the centuries of, of racial stratification that ensued. So um, that's one. And then another one is the fact that we still have such a high inequality gap uh, and racial gap and lack of of development according to certain standards um, almost 30 years after apartheid um, and the fact that this is predominantly blamed on you know the non-white population and also our current government you know our current government is the ANC party which was founded by Nelson Mandela and while you know the party has displayed very problematic tendencies and, and corruption and problems we cannot blame every single problem 
on them or on the non-white population and government, particularly taking into consideration that it's firstly been barely 30 years since we are a democracy, um, the lack of recognition of the strong neo-colonial forces continuously impacting, you know, hardship and fueling said racial inequality, um, as well as, as the fact that there's still no effective and sustainable empowerment despite these policies. They don't recognize the varying degrees of, of, of oppression. Well, thank you uh, for elaborating on that. That sounds like people should actually really know that um, and should be aware of this, of this tendency that's going on. Um, a bit more about you. Um, how did you come to study IMSIS? Okay, so actually I, I studied my, my undergrad in Germany. I studied um, political science and public administration and was in search of a master's degree. Um, and that's when I actually stumbled on IMSIS. And I mean, among many things, um, I really liked the mobility aspect of the degree, as well as the opportunity to learn an additional language through the, not only through the mobility, but also um, through the course, you know, academically. So I actually started learning Mandarin and Italian, and I really hope to, in the next mobility, learn some Czech. Wow. And just improve my communication skills, yes. Wow, that is very impressive. <laughs> Um, so before you started, uh, this journey of IMSIS and all your learning of languages, um, how, do you have any professional experience, uh, in the field of security? So, um, I have had, you know, work experience and, 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 you know, internships, um, at various organizations, but I think the one that was closest related to, to security I would argue was uh, working as a research intern for an internship for an, for an NGO in um, Israel regarding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So actually, it was an NGO that was founded by both um, Israelis and Palestinians, and there my research was, you know, focused on on the conflict as well as peace and reconciliation efforts, the current situation in the region and its implication uh, implications in terms of security. Um, also, you know, bringing. Um, parallels of, of South African history into it, um, which was an incredibly educational experience, just learning, you know, in depth about the history, about the current situation. Um, my interests, however, vary in general and are very much directed towards um, critical theory, post-colonial studies and development, um, more recently, post-colonial war and um, climate studies. Wow, that sounds <laughs> very, very interesting. I'm curious to see what um, that research will bring. Um, so a little bit more about um, like the security theme of it all. Um, what do you think is the most pressing security-related issue happening in your country, so South Africa, um, that people might not even know about? So I think I, I'd already touched upon it, like you know, previously. But uh, we have a plethora of security issues. But uh, I would say the most pressing at the moment would be the gross inequality gaps. I mean, we have one of the highest social and economic inequality gaps, which is unfortunately very much tied to race, as well as gender and climate issues. Um, South Africa is still considered, you know, the rape and murder capital of the world. We have extremely high crime rates. And these can often, you know, through investigations be traced to, to the 
extreme forms of inequality and, and lack of resources or access to resources in education. Um, and then, you know, climate change and, and its implications have also facilitated and encouraged that um, inequality. What most people um, don't realize is that we had, you know, almost 300 years of colonialism and then 50 years of apartheid. Um, and with that, extreme forms of racial stratification. And also, you know, assessing our demographics. I mean, demographically, 80% of the population is black, 10% is colored, 3% is Asian. So over 90% of the population is non-white. And that population went through extreme forms of, of oppression and, and, you know, stratification. And this has just not been addressed correctly because post-apartheid, it was, it was all about, you know, focusing on moving on, which was an incredibly important um, aspect. And it's something that I'm, I'm genuinely proud of, that, that we, you know, focused on, on peace and reconciliation. But there was not enough accountability for the crimes perpetrated. Um, there was not enough acknowledgement of the degree to which the various ethnic groups were, were disproportionately marginalized and oppressed. And um, although we've been a democracy now for less than 30 years, our inequality gap has increased. And this is because we have not dismantled the inherently you know, colonial and apartheid structures, nor even recognized um, them or the varying degrees of oppression. And this lack of recognition has allowed a small elite to benefit from these affirmative action policies, while a majority lives under extremely unequal and dangerous conditions and circumstances. Um, essentially forced into an inescapable cycle of impoverishment, which has unfortunately resulted in increased instability and insecurity. And this is all fueled by climate change. I mean, in terms of climate change, the entire continent of Africa contributes less than 4% of the global CO2 emissions, yet we're struggling the most. I mean, if you look at, you know, the, the impacts this has had on our crops, our agriculture, our primary sector, um, it's been devastating. And then also in terms of, um, um, you know, health and, and security, it's, it's been devastating. And then taking the pandemic on, in addition, on top of it, it's, it's harmed very vulnerable communities and incited insecurity. Um, yeah, thank you for elaborating on that. Um, it really does sound like a, a very big issue that is not only in your country, but the entire continent of Africa uh, more generally as well. Um, so why do you think that this is important for people to talk about also outside of South Africa? Like, how do we learn more about this and why, why is it important that we do? I think, firstly, one of the main arguments that's always made against South Africa or against Africans in general pertains to the lack of um, quick enough development post-independence, post-democratization. People say this also, you know, in South Africa, we've had, you know, almost 30 years of democracy and things are worse, somewhat blaming a lack of development on, on non-white Africans specifically. And this is incredibly problematic and also inherently racist. We first of all need to critically assess the circumstances and the issues at hand, recognizing, you know, the racial stratification and its continued impacts and work on dismantling those, you know, effectively to empower all South Africans and not just a small elite. Secondly, um, the continued neocolonial forces, whether it's economic, social, politically, um, 
effectively undermine our sustainable development, facilitate corrupt practices, and you know, also recognizing that our current institutions and frameworks are simply not uh, suitable for our socioeconomic needs, but were rather Western constructs which were imposed on us and not necessarily in accordance to, to our needs. Our economy is still inherently extractivist and colonial in nature and beneficial only to a few while the masses continue to struggle. I mean, you know, we're the richest continent in the world. South Africa is incredibly diverse and rich, and yet our people are, are living under horrendous, impoverished conditions. And then taking climate change into consideration and the whole aspect of climate inequality and climate colonialism, the extreme forms of, of, of inequality need to be recognized and how these are hindering and how these are obstacles in sustainable development. I think, uh, and how this also fuels, you know, insecurity, we definitely need to, it's important to discuss this because we need to assess this and find solutions together um, and because we also we need to take a more holistic approach and recognize the issues at hand and not beat around the bush, work collectively together, all ethnic groups and races, to find a solution that is beneficial for all and most of all that is fair and sustainable. Well, thank you so much for that. Like It really sounds like we all need to work together on that um, and not just us, but the people in higher politics as well. And also just move, you know, beyond the individualistic, move, you know, towards a more collective sort of approach to these issues, you know. We don't have to necessarily blame specific people. This is not, you know, a narrative that I'm trying to propagate, but rather just recognize the issues at hand and find a way for us to work all collectively together, regardless of, of race, creed, religion, background. I completely agree. Um, so... Looking to the future, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, what are you doing in 10 years? Well, <laughs> um, in 10 years, I definitely hope to be doing something that's a little bit more, you know, practical and on hands on the ground. I, I really, I don't see myself, you know, working <laughs> in an office. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, I want something that's a little bit more on the ground, working and interacting with people. Um, I would like to join, you know, an international organization such as either the ICRC or perhaps even the African Union, um, working particularly in the area of, of development and humanitarian aid. But in a more sustainable way, you know, taking, you know, post-colonial critical theory perspectives into consideration. Um, I would love to, you know, travel and live in as many different countries as possible. So I'm very interested in, you know, Central and Latin America. Um, but also, you know, Southern Africa, living in, in various countries, um, working on the ground, finding, you know, um, mechanisms, solutions and, and ways to support and facilitate first of all colonial deconstruction or decolonization processes as well as um, impactful and sustainable development that's that's empowering for all but especially you know women and marginalized groups so also taking that gender lens into consideration that's a hope and a goal of mine but let's see <laughs> well that sounds like a very holistic plan um, I hope you get there Thank you. Um, <laughs> and well, that wraps up the questions we have here. And I would like to thank you so much for doing this interview with us and uh, sharing your experience and your knowledge with uh, the audience. Um, so thank you for that. 
and I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I mean, this is just, you know, my opinion and my experience, you know, in academia and in South Africa. And I hope that uh, it can maybe start a debate, not just among, you know, foreigners, but also South Africans um, to discuss and recognize this. So thank you so much for giving me a platform and a voice. Of course, of course. I appreciate always, it. Always welcome. Well, thank you. And then we will see what happens next month. Okay. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>